You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Phi. Just checking in to lay the groundwork for this episode. Format here is a little bit different than our standard format. If you're at all familiar with the show, I'm the one who's pre-Phi. I'm shooting for a target Phi date of 2024. My friend Jason reached his Phi number in 2020 and retired early, moved his family from a high cost of living area in California to a relatively lower cost of living area in California. So he's two years into his early retirement and I'm about two years away. And as I get closer to this date, I have questions and I have concerns. So I was thinking the best way to get some of these concerns and questions answered might be to actually just step into the FIRE lifestyle for a short period of time, try it on. And I thought the best way to do that was for me to take a trip from Maine out to California and visit Jason and see what his FIRE life was like. Live without work responsibilities, without thinking about finances. And of course, I had lots of questions for Jason to see how he's getting on nearly two years in. I get up around 5 a.m. typically. Uh, it's a schedule I've had for years. I don't use an alarm. I know a lot of people like looking forward to getting rid of the alarm. It's never a thing for me. That's, a, that's cool. Um, but I get up at 5 and then make some tea, make some herbal tea. And then uh, depending on the day, I either go right to my desk because I've got some things I want to work on, check on some things for the show if we have an episode going live that day. Uh, or pretty often I also will just go sit on the couch and watch a show for an hour or so, some TV or movie that I have been waiting to watch. So that's always starts that way. And then some chore related things, right? See my daughter off to school, take care of the dishes. And then I will, uh, my wife gets up around 8.30. Maybe I'll do some cooking, especially in the summer when it's really hot, I'll cook stuff in the morning that's for later in the day. Um, and I go for a walk. After that, that's kind of the chunk of time where like, kind of like work day uh, was. Now it's just whatever I'm doing that day fits in that time. So I feel like high level, my days, the structure of them, like sort of the bookends are pretty similar, but what's in between is largely different now. And it, it changes day to day. Whereas before I'm commuting, doing the work thing, commuting home. Now that whole window of time is kind of like what I get to fill. And it's much more varied. Fill it with? The, my interests, it could be learning it could be going out and moving doing some hiking or something like that pursuing some other hobby maybe going to a winery someday i like to cook a lot so i definitely have done way more than that uh, in the past whereas Lori took on all the dinners when i was working because uh, she's a nice person um, i now do almost all the cooking for the family so that's been a great change and something to get back to that i kind of left behind early in my career to be honest with you are you adjusted, both adjusted to, you know, coexisting in that same space? Because Lori was yeah. on her own for a while. Yeah, I think the, you know, sort of COVID lockdown gave us some practice even before I started, stopped working. I had three months where I was working from home in the same space. And we figured out a lot of things pretty quickly. Uh, like, uh, and we've talked a little bit about this on the show in the past, you know, I was used to having an office and a lot of quiet and the noise of the household was new to me when I was trying to work and be on calls and things like that. And it, I could be pretty irritable about it sometimes. So figuring that out was really important. We communicated way better about it once we did. Uh, I was being unrealistic very clearly. I know that now. And I think we figured out a lot. Um, honestly, 
the benefits of being able to spend so much more time together have been huge. I used to travel a lot internationally as well, so I would be gone for a while. I mean, you know, a little break from me is great, I'm sure, but Lori pretty clearly uh, was happy having me around a lot more. And honestly, just like being in the same place, it doesn't mean we had to be doing like activities every day, although we do hike a lot together and, and do some, uh, you know, other activities outdoors together. Just being in the same room or reading, you know, together, I don't know, it's just nice to be able to like, ask a question in the moment. And for just like most people, for years and years and years, we didn't work in the same place. So we wouldn't be able to have those little conversations throughout the day or, I don't know, like, I guess, to be perfectly honest with you, I, since I've been home, like I just appreciate much more the time that I have with Lori. And I feel like I may have taken some of that for granted when I was working. I mean, I would leave for work before she got up I would get home at dinner time and I, I started to get tired by 9, 9.30. So I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. So, I mean, besides weekends, we just had those few hours a day like everybody does. And you end up taking those to like, you know, just the must do's, like have a meal together, like talk a little bit about anything going on and then like, you know, maybe watch TV before bed. So not always the most fulfilling time. And now um, it's complete opposite. We have as much time together as we want um, we give each other breaks too. It's not like we have to be you know, lockstep all the time together. But I mean, I took, I took to writing like Lori a little note every morning, like with her tea when I bring it to her. Um, that's something I never would have been able to do before. And it's just, I don't know, it's kind of nice. Like it seems like a silly little thing, but it's like just for me, it's like a very personally, a very nice way to just in small ways express that like, hey, I'm, I'm super psyched that we have this time together now and I'm really enjoying it. The biggest part of my path to Phi is something you called career leveling up. I moved a lot uh, between companies. I'm physically, our family moved to different states, uh, moved all the way across the country. I traveled a lot. Like that was how I got my career progression to where it got to and the advancement I was able to get. And that came with trade-offs and there weren't ones we always discussed. Uh, but I always like come back to this, this one time. Uh, it came up yesterday at wine tasting, right? Lori was upset about something that wasn't going well and I had come home from a trip and we were talking about it and I was apologetic. I mean, I, I felt bad that I wasn't there for the thing that was causing all this problem. And she was like, well, you know what? The way I think about it is it's challenging for us now. This, we're making trade-offs for the time we can have later. Like our daughter is very, very young at that time. Um, when she's a little older and we're doing things to, we're able to do more things together as a family, you know, you're going to be available. And that's true. Um, you know, you can always second guess w the merit of those trade-offs. We believe on net this has been good for us and now I get to, I could go to things that my daughter's involved with, you know, if there was something at school or that I can easily swap in and bring her to an appointment if my wife can't. Uh, we still take turns, don't get me wrong, we both pitch in, but I'm glad that even if it's not something I would desire to do that day, I'm glad I'm just able to be able to help out. Whereas in the past, it wasn't an option. It's a big change. All right, so it appears at least as an outsider, you're getting up at the same time, yeah. doing the same things, right? I mean, that's that's pretty typical for a lot of people, I think. Um, but you have this big hole where work used to be. And so I think a lot of people he heading into you know retirement kind of think about, okay, how am I gonna fill that hole? <laughs> and how have you approached that? Like maybe even from 
like maybe it's different beginning to now like you've been retired almost two years now right yeah i think it was definitely different beginning to now i mean at the very beginning okay i had some things that were constraining my time a little bit like we moved right we moved three hours away and i had to get a house set up and stuff and and then i think what what i noticed is that in the beginning i was doing bigger things like they took up large chunks of time like I worked on a couple of courses online to um, build some skills in uh, app development for iPhone and so I would take like big chunks of time and I would say I was filling up like half days with that stuff um, kind of uninterrupted which I guess is how I learn and that was really fun but I definitely realized I was starting to jam stuff in and now I would say so fast forward, you know, maybe more than a year after that. So coming up on two years, a little, f I would say a lot freer with how I spend my time. Um, but uh, so it's unprogrammed time. Yeah, that's or? that's a way better way to put it. Yeah, less. It's way less programmed. There are things to your point that like naturally happen in a certain order. Wake up, have my tea, sit at the computer, take my daughter to school. Um, but I would say the larger chunks of the day where work would have been um, vary a lot more. I think the biggest things I thought about beforehand were, are the numbers right? Right. You can only do so many models. Like, did I do a good job? Did I talk to the right people? Did I, is everything in, in place like it should be? And just because when I pull the trigger, right, oh, there's no turning back, right? And I definitely thought about that a lot. And I can definitely think of a few conversations where my wife talked me down off the ledge um, because I was getting worked up about that. And I guess that's, I don't, I don't think that's abnormal, but I definitely found myself, especially towards the end, thinking about it on and off at times. So that was, I think those concerns pre were definitely part of it. I think maybe surprisingly, um, I wasn't super worried about like stepping away from the work stuff. After, um, I think my first reaction was probably pretty similar and it was like, uh, Am I withdrawing like too too much? Like, should I should I be more conservative? Is oh, financially? Yeah, like yeah. focusing on the numbers a little more than I thought it would. Not like I don't know right, the right way to put it, but I was I would say I was hyper aware of spending to the point where like Lori called me out a couple times when I would be asking her like, oh, what's this? Like just looking at you know expenses coming in, and. You know, you can convince, it's like one of those things where I guess you can convince yourself like all you want in advance if the numbers are right or everything, but like once like the button has been pushed and the paycheck stopped, like it's it's pretty natural to think like, well, is it right? right. I mean, I wouldn't say I was agonizing over, I was more conscious of expenses coming in and thinking about them and thinking about the budget and wondering if it was right. You know, a, a year and a half before I retired, I started, you know, actively budgeting, something I'd never done before, like tracking expenses. So I had an expectation, like, I'm probably gonna spend this much on like groceries and stuff like that every month and had data to back it up. And then suddenly the first month after I retire, it's higher than that. And I'm like, well, obviously then the rest of the budget's probably wrong. Like, so I've screwed up. Even though I have two years of data, I'm an idiot. Like, and I'm in trouble. So now I need to like, ooh, be a little more careful maybe spend a little less. A lot of this, I, I would say, I was definitely trying to keep in. Like, I, did, I definitely didn't want Lori to feel like, uh-oh, like, he, he didn't do a good job. Because she's always, you know, you know you're, you're being your own worst critic. Like, you know, you, I've seen, you've shown me this, it's right, you know, it's, we'll adjust if we need to, but don't worry about it. So I did keep a lot of this to myself. Um, and I think I just needed to see more data. I needed to see more months and get comfortable with the fact that you, it's life, right? There's gonna be spikes and things, some things are gonna go up, some things are gonna go down. 
withdrawal rate we're trying to keep you know it's below three percent so like that's one of the reasons we keep it there because if there's noise like who cares right. so i mean i can't know like long term if it's gonna play out the way i think but at least on the short term looking at the first year second year it's like well obviously it's fine like there's been things that are more than i thought and things that are less so i've definitely become more confident of that over time and i think less about that i'm even thinking about like dropping the kind of budgeting i do down to like you know bigger buckets of stuff and not not tracking quite as much because i have a different level of confidence now right it's maybe i i'm maybe next month i'll start that <laughs> i'm close well it's funny because um i'm I'm pretty sure this is going to come out after that the episode where we talk about you firing your financial advisors, oh, yeah. right? Okay, so like part of the confidence comes like not having a co-pilot anymore too, and like that's to me it's like it's an even bigger step because yeah. your your handle hand is on all of the controls. Like you you know it's totally on you to, to to manage it. So it's I mean it's interesting to see how long do you think it took you to get to get to that point. That, that, that's a great question. Like I immediately, my brain started going there when you said that, like, how long has it been? I was like, right. well, it's kind of been like almost four months okay. since I had the call where I said, you know, I was gonna take this on myself. And I will say that almost immediately, like two days later, maybe, I started thinking like, well, maybe this was a really stupid idea. I had some- So this is like a pattern with you. I know, it is. Like, and second guessing yourself and imposter syndrome, it's normal, it's, it's the, really like people good. get that, right? I mean, I, I'm no, no better. Right. Um, and I spent so much time in my spreadsheets and really thought through what I had done and had a consult with uh, a fee-only, uh, advice-only advisor just to kind of you know, revisit what I thought was true and some of the things I wanted to change slightly from how they were in the portfolio with advisors. And I think through that and just spending really probably a few weeks, to be totally honest with you, in time in my spreadsheets and looking at my portfolio and, and I agreed doing more modeling um, before I said you know what I actually feel pretty good so maybe it's like a full month month and a half after I went out on my own without advisors before I, I started to feel really confident and now I feel good now I feel like I know it's the right decision this is just the usual kind of like path when you make a big change and but in the beginning I would say I was a little surprised by not feeling as confident as I thought I was because I was so confident really thinking about it for months and then you know, when it happens, it's like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't right. I yeah. don't know. Well, and it has kind of, the past four months have been really rocky. Yeah, timing's great. <laughs> in the stock market. And like, you know, you and I have had these discussions before where you tell me, just don't look at it, man. Yeah. Just so are you able to follow your own advice? I am. And certainly now, um, it was a little harder for me a few months ago because I knew there were some changes I wanted to make. Right. I wanted to add a little more conservatism. I wanted to get some things out that weren't really fixed income into yeah. more traditional fixed income. And I was nervous because I was like, well, is this the right time or whatever? And as it turned out, actually, the downturn a little bit made some of those changes easier to absorb. You know, some gains disappeared, was able to move things into. It's funny because you told me not to look at the market, but yet you were doing it. Man. I had to. I, I had to. Um, <laughs> since then, over the next, I guess it's been almost another two months since that time. I really haven't been looking at it. I'm very happy that I'm not. That feels good to me. But like big picture, I think, I do still think from time to time, like how well, how well tested is this model, right? And I've read the same posts you have in many cases, but that doesn't mean I'm not really second guessing sometime. Like, well, is every 
no, no year is like any other year. And like, how many things have to happen in the world before you're like, well, this unprecedented set of events is going to drive unprecedented economic changes. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about bucket strategies and like years of cash and years of bonds, but maybe it's not enough this time. So I wouldn't say it's preoccupying me all the, my mind all the time, but it comes up more than we probably discuss or it like bubbles up that day where I'm like, well, I wonder like 20 years from now, where's it going to be? Or 10 years from now? I mean, I know I can adjust along the way, but yeah, I think about it. Mm -hmm. It's not making me think about making changes. It's just making me wonder, is it going to work out? Yeah. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi. If you've been listening to Jason and I on the podcast, you may not be aware that we also have a YouTube channel. And quite often, we have supporting graphics, charts, information, and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Fi. Me visiting here and kind of trying on this like retired lifestyle a little bit. You know, that's, that's kind of how I see this visit. Uh, obviously, I want to catch up with you and Lori and see, you know, your family, how you live, where you live. And, yeah. um, but, you know, part of this is um, I want to see how you're thinking about the th my preoccupations. Like, my preoccupations right now are, all right, spending. Like, if I have to transition to spending, what is this going to look like? How is it going to feel? Yeah. And as I look at you, you don't seem outwardly concerned. Like when you have visitors, you're obviously doing things that are out of your normal schedule. You're probably spending a little more money. You know, you're yeah. doing different things than a day to day in day out. But I can say as an outsider, I don't see that it bothers you necessarily. But what is it, what is it like? In, what's the internal dialogue that I don't see? I think on that stuff, it feels pretty good because it's like, you know, our retirement model didn't plan on Lori and I bringing in any extra income. And that budget was not built with it in mind. So when some, you know when you come, other people come visit us. Like we go out to eat more. We might go to you know a fancier place for wine tasting, something like that. And we're spending more money. And so we just the way we think about it is you know we're bringing in some extra money. That's a great way to spend it. Like spend it on experiences with your family, with your friends, and like that's fun. Like that feels good to me. That doesn't make me so anxious as like, oh, like could we take an extra vacation? Like, well, maybe that is that too much money or is that okay? Um, I, I actually it feels pretty good when Does we do stuff good? like this. Does it feel good because you have that extra? income coming in or do you does it feel good because you designed the right plan and you're executing on it or does it or is it like that you're not the amount that you're spending is inconsequential what, what do you think of those things i think there's merit to all of them but i think very specifically the first thing that comes to mind is the extra income oh okay so you didn't plan for this i didn't i i would not say i built a budget with like well here's how many people are going to visit us a year and maybe, and maybe this is a good tip for you, man. Um, you live somewhere where people want to come visit you. Totally, yeah. Like think about like, well, how much time do you, how much money do you really spend when people come out, right? Go to the seafood restaurant now, that stuff adds up. Um, I'm like you though, I would prioritize that spending, but it, yeah. it's also something that I always think about as being difficult to plan for. It is, it is difficult to plan for. Uh, the reason I thought it was multiple things is I think the second thing is also true, which is um, the budget is built with a very low withdrawal rate. And so we should, even though I'm still not always there yet in year two, feel comfortable with like exceeding our, our, our projected monthly spending because guess what? We're, our withdrawal rate is low. We're not talking about 4% or even 3.5%. I'm presently below 3 So, 
it does it does strike me as like you still are paying attention to it which is not a bad thing like, yeah yeah paying attention i agree to i, I, I would i would totally expect that actually yeah. like i wouldn't ex i would say you have to have a pretty large pot to not like have to pay attention to it at a certain level and so it's it's actually reassuring to hear that rather than you just saying no man it's just like execute the plan right well let me let me ask you this like how closely do you track expenses right now do you track it's expense i know you don't budget but do you track expenses not really like, i mean do you, how much you spend going out to eat in an average month like no. do you know that no i don't know that okay i mean that could well i guess the, let me let me phrase this as a question like what about um, i'll tell you how i track it okay like tell me how you i have i have a certain savings goal for every month and like once i meet that yep. then i so you pay yourself first i pay myself first and yeah. you could and that's how i mean how do I do that in retirement? Well, I mean, that sounds kind of like what Fritz does, right? From Retirement Manifesto. He just has money that comes in into the account and they spend it. So in your case, if the money is like not going out to pay yourself first, then everything else left is conceivably exactly what you do now. So as long as that's worked for as many years as you've done it, if that's always been what you and Laura did, like maybe there's not a concern, but I, I can't answer that. Like for you, when you think about like switching, like, okay, I've never been tracking and now I'm not gonna be paying myself first. There's gonna be money that I'm gonna have auto transferred every month or once a year, whatever your system is. How do you think that's gonna feel? Is it something you worry about? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, but I don't budget for a very specific reason. You know, I feel like if I, the plan that I'm setting up is to hit savings targets. Yeah. And, and if I meet those goals, then, I, then I'm assured the plan is working. And so I, I mean, it's, maybe it's a little bit of a rethink on how I, enter the spend the spend down phase but I don't know. well maybe we're not so different because that's precisely what i did when i was working yeah i had all my savings goals and then everything else was left to meet the monthly obligations Have fun. I, I didn't track it at all I, honestly until i started doing that expense tracking exercise a year and a half before i retired i if you had asked me the same question, how much you spent going out to eat a month, I wouldn't know. Right. Because when we finally did do it. I know, but you were doing it like where I'm at now. Yeah, that's true. That, that is a difference. Yeah. But I mean, I'll tell you again, that's an example of an area I was surprised. Like how much do we spend on like, like the really discretionary stuff, like yeah. on going out to eat right. or, you know, some of the, not, like, not vacations, but like little things we do on the weekend. And like, how much does that add up? We were a little surprised. Yeah, and to be to be fair, the past couple of years have been abnormal. That's fair. Yeah, not not the best data points for you anyway. But we look at a year-end credit card statement, for example, and say, okay, this is our annual spend, and it, it this feels like a good life to us, you know. But you're, to your point, it's like, okay, maybe it doesn't capture all the nuance of like these kind of situations, and maybe the other buffer, the other idea there is just to create this buffer, like a bigger buffer. Like if you're not willing to track granular stuff, make a bigger buffer, and, and or it could be work working another job because I guess that trend, that kind of segues into this idea of like you both, both you and your wife are working extra jobs. You're volunteering at various places and talk a little bit about the importance of that other than financially, because yeah. you're not really doing it for financial no. motivation, right? No, especially me. Uh, but I, I think true for both of us, if I can try to relay her words without Lori being here. Um, like do the winery, the one day a week, seven hour shift. Um, it's, yeah, there's financial benefits. I, I get some money and I get discounts on wine, which is great. But I mean, it's more about like the chance to get to interact with people, to talk, 
to, to educate, like I'm a wine educator. Um, I enjoy that a lot. And I haven't worked in like a hospitality job since I was in college, but I'm definitely drawn to like the idea of teaching people about something and like, you know, enjoying time, meeting people and talking. Like, so I get a lot out of that one day worth of effort. Um, and it's largely not financial. Um, it feels rewarding, it feels fun, like I, and I feel like I'm doing something, you know, useful. You, you didn't always do this job, uh, it, right? I mean, you, you got it... About a year ago. About a year, yeah. okay, so you've done it for about a year. How, you, you can compare the two sides of that, having, you know, some vocation and not. How, is it essential, like, for you? I mean, I, I know you get a lot out of it, but what, what else could you put in that hole? I don't think it's essential. Uh, and there was even a time where, you know, in the winter, you know, it's a tourism-driven industry, right? When, you know, visitors were lower, um, it, was more, it was more boring sometimes. Some days it would be really quiet. And that just felt like, okay, that's not what I want to do. And, you know, thankfully that time passed. Uh, it was just, you know, a couple of, you know, weeks were like that. Um, but um, I think a lot of things could fit in that time. And as soon as something feels like a better use of my time... I could change. Um, it's hard because I really enjoy it and I think um, even if that job went away for whatever reason, I might still try to find another one day a week winery gig just because right now the benefits make sense for me. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And Lori tutors? She does, yeah. She tutors in the afternoons, like when kids are out of school. She does you know, a couple hours, four days a week, um, mostly math for middle schoolers and she's been doing that for a few years now. Um, you know, mostly remote, but uh, she really, she gets a lot out of it. Um, the whole teaching aspect and watching kids, you know, grow and do better um, and, you know, spends, spends a decent amount of time on it. I mean, even like any teacher outside of when she's with the students. And, you know, for me, I guess that's a, uh, to me, it like makes it clear to me that like she's enjoying this and getting, seeing a lot of value in it because she is trading money for, uh, time for money. And it's not in proportion, I think, to the benefit that, that, that uh, kids get versus she gets. And, and she really enjoys it. So, I mean, she could stop anytime she wants. But, I mean, for me, like, that's a great example of, like, something she's even done for free. Like, she used to volunteer tutor at schools that, um, in, in her past. So I think that's, a, like, a good model the way a lot of people think in retirement about working. You're not doing it to always just to supplement income. It's, you know, it's just a... It's a productive use of time that's fulfilling. What else is she doing? Uh, she volunteers at a couple different spots. One is a botanical garden uh, nearby, and then she also works at uh, Animal Shelter, where she does some vet tech duties uh, there. Nightmare. Uh, I mean, it, it was uh, her path at one point was to be a vet, so it's a great chance to flex back to her past when she used to do, was a vet, uh, veterinary technician um, when she was still in college. It's cool to see the, um, you're kind of developing, like you went from this, identity as a scientist, right? And you may have identified as other things, but I think primarily you saw yourself as a, as a scientist, right? Uh, you know, um, to now you're kind of starting to adding all these hyphens to like what, what it is that you do, right? I mean, we went wine tasting yesterday and you, there's a t you have a ton of knowledge about wine. It's like really impressive. And it's something that you've learned over the past year or so, right? I mean, of course you've it's it's a building of skills it and it's it's a way for you to communicate with people it's access to the wine industry which is really interesting and um it's kind of cool to see that like yeah your work as a scientist may have changed but you're, you're kind of moving into something the next thing you're kind of graduating to the next thing 
yeah i mean i've i've caught myself like daydreaming sometimes like oh is this something like i enjoy enough that i want to do more with it like do i want to learn more i mean I've, I've made wine before i'm a brewer as you know so i make mostly beer but you know i've thought about like oh would that be fun to like be involved with a winery on the business side or whatever i mean i don't think i want to own one i don't think that sounds very attractive to me but i've wondered um but yeah it has been fun to build skills it was like something that was very hobby i guess that's the right word to use like i used to go wine tasting a lot yeah. Um, where I used to live this and way to do it. I learned a lot about it. This is definitely a lower cost area to do it in and, and doing it as an industry person. Uh, there's a lot of discounting and, and free, uh, tastings and things. So yeah, um, I get a lot of on the job training slash entertainment and both Lori and I really enjoy that. So it's, I mean, it is one of the parts, uh, it is one of the reasons why we moved to a region where a lot of wine is made. Yeah, right. I know it makes so much sense seeing you guys here. It feels very natural, like a natural fit. What, whatever happened to the, I was always thinking you were going to do like your own brewery. Yeah. Like what, did, did somebody disabuse you of that, that notion? No. Um, I mean, well, maybe a little, but I think, and you're not alone in that. And honestly, I, I probably telegraphed that potential future more than any other one when people would ask me like at my former job yeah. like when even when the like the note went out that I was going to be leaving the company in a month I, like every other person who knows me well like would say like oh is it time to open the brewery yeah. uh, I don't know I, I still it still sometimes feels like more of a romantic idea yeah. like the idea of like owning a brick and mortar business with hard product and like having to be deal with seasonality and all that stuff as a small business owner, which you know better than most people. Um, it's, it starts to feel unattractive. Like originally earlier on, it was like, well, the capital outlay to start a small brewery is a lot like getting, you know, getting money, right. You're definitely going to take money on something like that. I'm not going to self fund that. It sounds silly. Um, so I used to worry more about the money side. Like, Oh, is that smart now? it's totally different where it's like, do I really want to tie myself down to a business like that? That's going to take probably two years to get off the ground and open. And then I'm going to be saddled with something where in two years from now, my daughter's in college and we have the freedom now to travel how we want. And Oh, by the way, I've now have a new business that's open and customers who hopefully like what I do. Well, now do I have to hire people or, and do I want to do that? Do I want to sell a business? Like it's so more often these days, like that's what I find myself and I think Lori's largely in agreement with that idea. I mean, we again, we still both have this romantic idea, like, oh, it'd be cool to like have yeah. something we made and talk to people about it. But sometimes I feel like maybe I'm scratching that itch by doing the winery job. I'm just talking about somebody else's product, which is great and is easy to talk about because it's really good. I didn't have to make it or take on any of the overhead and I can quit the job anytime I want if I suddenly don't like it. That's the complete opposite of starting a brewery. So it's like renting the career versus yeah. <laughs> owning the career. A really good way to look at it. I'm going to steal that idea. A part of me wonders you working or like, I mean, you've been in some breweries helping to can stuff and like you, you've seen really how the sausage is made on the business side of it. It's very different than that. It's, it probably shown a light on the, the realities of that, you know? Yeah. Was that helpful or? It is. I mean, yeah. And I, I did uh, do a day uh, helping out on the packaging line with canning and bottling and you texted me that day. Uh, yeah, I'm, I know I did. It was, I was so glad to do it. It was, it was aspects of it were fun, but I kept find, finding myself echoing what a friend of mine who works in the industry told me once. He's like, you don't want to do that, man. He's like, brewing's a young guy's game. Like, you don't want to do that. 
and I see like, you know, at this, this place is much larger than anything I would be involved with, but like, you know, when the forklift goes down or whatever, like they're carrying 50 pound bags of grain around and like carrying them up ladders and like dumping them in. Like, that sounds awful. Like, I don't want to carry 50 pound potting soil that I get asked to carry. Does the head brewer do that? No, not, not, no. well, head brewer, head brewer might, but brewmaster, no. And you can't just, you know, rocket ship to, to the brewmaster position. And not, not unless you start it yourself. And, but then either you're hiring a brewer, which is what is recommended by everybody who I've ever talked to, or you're doing it yourself, yeah. which at nearly 50, it merely sounds a little stupid. It sounds a little stupid because anytime I've like found myself getting more back into like manual labor, like working on this landscaping around you here, like doing like, you know, tens of loads of, you know, hundreds of pounds of gravel. Like, I don't really like that. And <laughs> I have full respect for anybody who does that as a career or a hobby because it's really hard. Yeah, I'd rather, rather make beer at a low scale and share it with people than, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 it sounds silly, but I find myself in, incapable of completely giving up the idea of maybe going into that, but it does not feel likely yeah. at all. What would you tell somebody nearing their retirement date or early in retirement? Like, how's it feel? It feels really good. Like, um, is it better than yeah. you imagined? Yeah. It's, or is it, is it what you imagined? I think conceptually it's what I imagined, but since you can't really put yourself in the like, how does it feel before you feel it? Like on net, I mean, it, it feels really good. I, I do not miss work, uh, you know, for others or full time or I, I just don't. So I really love having as much flexibility as I do. Like I value that to a fault at this point. I really feel like right now I'm still in this, even though it's like two years feels like a long time, it's really not compared to the span of, you know, your typical career. So I'm still find myself like very much pushing against the idea of somebody scheduling my time, even if it's stuff I have to do. And like, I've had to come to terms with that. Like, no, you idiot. Like you have to do this thing tomorrow because it needs to get done. Like, that's okay. It's like, okay, this stuff gets done. So that's a little surprising. I wouldn't have anticipated that. I don't think anybody could. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's maybe like a third to a half of my day follows a kind of a rhythm and the other you know, the remainder, you know, generally more than half varies a decent amount. It's unprogrammed. Yeah, it's unprogrammed, I would say. And that, that fits me really well. I see some people, you know, crossing the line uh, into retirement and they, their time is much more consistent. Like I wake up, take a walk at this time, I have breakfast, to do this, to do that. I, so I think a lot of that's really personal, but. Um, Are you concerned it's gonna, you're gonna be able to keep this up long-term? It's a really good question. I don't think so. I think now follows more of a rhythm than I suspect it will. Well, we'll revisit this question in three years than it will in the future. I mean, right now, you know, with our daughter still in high school, there's a, there's a structure to that. And it actually has a lot of, ad, you know, follow on effects that you're well aware of. Like I can vacation here. I can't vacation here because of school. And at this time of day, I need to be home because you know, we're going to do this together or I got to bring her to school because the weather's bad. Um, that kind of stuff will change. All that stuff will change. So I suspect things are going to be pretty different a few years from now. We're going to be doing more trips. We have this idea of short, you know, stays abroad in different countries. Um, 
I'm really looking forward to that. I don't, I don't regret not being there yet. This is the phase of life we're in and it feels really good, but I'm pretty excited. So I think it's not gonna stay the same for me. What's, what's been worse than you expected? Um, finding, finding new people, finding friendships, relationships, because you know it's a double whammy when you both move and you don't have a job you're moving to because like most people, many people, a big part of my friend network came from people I would meet at work. And I don't have that. Sure. I, I meet people in the industry. You know, I'll go to other wineries or to events and meet people. I certainly met people through the, the winery I work at. Um, you know, we started a home brewing club for beer. I'm hopeful that translates into some friendships, but um, I didn't anticipate, because I think I'm someone that makes friends reasonably well. Uh, it's not very easy to make good friends, deep friendships, right? Those take a long time. But, you know, acquaintances, I think I'm pretty good at that. And that's not so easy when you don't have those common reference points. Um, that has been harder than I thought. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Phi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesofphi.com.